for our scripture reading, we'll look at our text for tonight. It'll be in John 13. John chapter 13. As you're turning there, <clears throat> Brother Gabe Stoniker is going to be preaching up in Marysville this weekend, Friday night, Saturday, and, and Sunday. Uh, and then he'll be heading back to Tennessee. I was going to try to get him to come down and visit for a while, but he already had the tickets booked. He's fast. He's got a lot of, a lot of traveling to do. I'm thankful for him. Um, if the Lord's enabled you to go there, I'd encourage you to go there. The Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, get on satellite or, <laughs> right? Go, look him in the eye. If you were able to go and willing to go, I'd recommend you go. Be a good thing. Good support for those brethren there in Marysville, too. Get an encouragement to them. We ought to get to know them. We're going to read here in John 13. I was speaking to a fellow laborer today, and he was dealing with some, somewhat of the same thing, heavy, heavy matters. And he said, I'm swimming. He goes, but I can't touch the bottom. I said, I understand. We don't know how deep it is, do we? And what I'm about to read to you, we really can't get a grasp on it. I, I can touch just the hem of the garment. That's, all, that's enough, isn't it? Isn't that enough? <laughs> that's good. We'll begin here in verse 18. John 13, verse 18. Sobering words. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you, before it come, that when it's come to pass, you may believe that I am. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me Receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had said the had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? And he answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, 
having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as you're pleased, be with us tonight. Don't leave us to ourselves. Don't leave us to our own understanding. Make us bow to Christ. Make us hear his word and be thankful for him and look to him alone and not to ourselves. Lord, I pray you've gathered two or three in this room that you'll be with us. Allow us to put all the weight aside. Allow us to put all the history and the thoughts and the ideas that we have aside and hear your word. Thank you for this hour, Lord. Give us the ability and the desire to exalt Christ. It's in his name that we ask it. Amen. All right, brethren. <clears throat> We're here in John 13. We'll begin in verse 18 through 30. But what was the Lord teaching us up until this point? What was he teaching those first 17 verses? That's what we looked at Sunday. He was teaching Peter something. He was giving him knowledge. He knew what, what was going on. And he gave him understanding. He was teaching Peter about justification. He said, my blood's going to be shed and I'm going to buy you. I'm going to pay for your sin, your mind. And he was teaching him something about sanctification too. What? I'm going to purify you. You'll be every whit clean. You can't get dirty. <laughs> You're in this world, and we have to wipe you off day. You need mercy every day, but you're mine. You're for my use. That's what he was showing him. Blood atonement, redemption. That's what he was teaching. And he says in verse 18, John 13, 18, he said, I speak not of you all. Peter, I ain't talking about everybody. Not everybody without exception. Not everybody in this room. I hope that hits home tonight. I hope it hits me tonight. Maybe not everybody in this room. Look at verse 10. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not, to save, needeth not save to wash his feet but is clean every whit. And ye are clean. Peter, you're clean. That's what the Lord speaks to his children. You're clean. He said, but not all. Not everybody. Not everybody's clean. He said, I speak not of you all. Verse 18. I know whom I have chosen. I know the vessels of honor. In this room that are mine. Lord knows that. He knows the heart because he gives the heart. He said, I know my vessels of honor. And he knows, catch this, his vessels of dishonor. It wasn't that he rolled the dice and Judas just happened to be one. Of, we was going to keep 11 of the 12. And I don't know. It happened to be Judas. He just We couldn't get, get him to stay in church long enough. No, this was the Lord's purpose from eternity. He's going to take his hand off of Judas. Judas had been completely hedged up. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. He'd been completely hedged. His whole lineage had from Adam to this point. Satan's walking around looking at him. And then the Lord goes, 
took his hand off of him. Half a second. Less than that. Nanosecond. Instantaneously. He took his hand off of him and Satan entered into him. What a frightening thing. He said, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He's going to say this out loud. <laughs> Prove to us who he is, isn't he? He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. He that's ate bread with me lifted up his heel against me. Lift up your heel. That's what Peter literally just did, wasn't it? Didn't we, that's what we looked at Sunday. Look here in verse 6. Then he cometh to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> pulled that leg up, didn't he? He lifted his heel up. You get that? He picked his leg up. Down in verse 8, it says, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Whoa. No, no, no. You're not going to do that. You think Peter had some pressure on him? What we read in this whole text, verse 18 through 30, this is one of the most gracious things I've ever seen. It seems horrible, don't it? This is littered. I mean, from, from word to word. The Lord's graciousness to unworthy sinners. It's unbelievable. This is rich, rich in grace, rich in mercy. You think Peter might have went through his head when he lifted that foot up? He said, he lifted, lifted his heel. He remembered Psalm 41. said, yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. It must be me. Out of everybody in this room, it's got to be me. I'm, I'm the man. That's what the Lord's people say. It's me. It's me. He thought of Genesis 3. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and he shall bruise his heel. I'm lifting up my heel trying to crush his head. I'm at war with God. I heard a man say one time, one of the Lord's faithful servants, who he maintains, he keeps faithful. He said, before God saved us, we were at war with God. We hated God. And that fellow said, I never hated God. But you ain't, he ain't broke your heart yet. I'll, I'll say it plain as day, you ain't saved. I hope God breaks your heart, shows you you're an enemy. You can't have no peace if they went to war. You get that? <laughs> Show peace in your heart. Why all these warnings? The Lord's told us this several times. According to the scripture, wasn't it? All throughout the scripture. Look here in verse 19. Now I tell you, I'm telling you these things right now, before it come, that when it has come to pass, you may believe that I am. He's in italics. I am. You're going to know I'm God. You'll remember that right now you ain't going to, I don't know what in the world he's talking about. Real soon. Before, by, by the end of this Passover, you'll go, I get it. I get it. Only the Lord can do that. Do you know that? Only the Lord can do that. Man cannot. I can say a whole bunch of stuff and I said, tomorrow it's, it's going to rain and it ain't going to rain. <laughs> Bet on red and black, right? <laughs> Man can just talk a whole lot. The Lord says what's going to happen before it happens. He's God because he controls all things. That's who he is. Isaiah penned this. He said, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Nobody's like him. Declaring the end from the beginning. That doesn't say, that doesn't just mean like this is the end, okay? And this is the beginning. <laughs> Child can do that. We started this service, didn't we? 
And then when we're done and we leave, that's the end of it. From the beginning, from way back when, he said, this is how it's going to end. This is my people's end. This is my son's end. This is where he's going to be. Who's going to be glorified? This is what's going to come to pass. Declaring the end from way back when in the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He says, I'm going to do anything I want. How can he say that? He's God. (laughs) If he couldn't, he ain't God. We're in trouble. In the beginning, he declared the end. It says in verse 20, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. I can, I may come, we may come back to that again for just a whole hour by itself. He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. There's a positive side to that, isn't it? Do you receive the messengers of God? Do you? I know some people that, that brag on them and, and know all their names, have all their phone numbers in their iPhones. And, and this one tells them something, and that one tells them something, and that one tells them something. And, that, and it's, you know what? All five of y'all told me the same thing. <laughs> if you got five doctors and all five of them said, this is what you need, you need to get B vitamins. Maybe I'll take B vitamins, right? You receive those, the ones the Lord sends, his messengers, do you? Or do you fight them? Tooth and toenail. That's on the positive side. We're told to dust off our feet. I told people, I read Titus three times the other morning. I woke up and just couldn't, couldn't get it soak in enough. Tell them once, tell them twice, then get back to preaching. Leave them alone. That's what he said. Told Titus. We dust our feet off, go on to the next town like Paul, shake your coat off. That's the positive side. The Lord sends his messengers. He sends his good news. And his people, we receive them, don't we? I want to hear them. Old Brother Gabe's going to be up in Marysville. I wish I could be there to see him, look him in the eye. I receive what he has to tell me, what God put on his heart. But on the negative, too, on the bad side, do we do that? Do we take the bad things because God did it? Do you? Do I? I? I didn't turn the news on today. Whatever happened? Do we take that as God did it? Remember David? He was speaking to his generals and his, his general and his servants, and he said, My son that came forth out of my bowels, <laughs> Absalom, he seeketh my life. He wants to kill me. How much more should this Benjamite? Let him alone. Let him curse me, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction, that the Lord will requite me good for the cursing of this day. Oh, shimmy, I was down there just cussing him and throwing rocks at him. And and that general said, I'll take his head off. Nobody's going to talk to my king that way. Let him alone. That gives me goosebumps all over my body. Does it you? God says that. Leave him alone. The Lord sent him to cuss me. And maybe the Lord's going to do something, teach me something good out of this, out of him cussing me. Strike on. <laughs> Strike on. Verse 21. When Jesus had said thus, he was troubled in spirit. Do you believe that? Can you explain it? I believe it. I have no idea how to explain that. He was troubled in spirit. 
He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I've watched people, I've watched preachers. I've seen human beings stand up and preach the gospel and then lead it. Have you? That troubles my spirit. I can't imagine. Here's the holy God in human flesh surrounding a sin-cursed world. And knowing his 11 is going to have one of their friends. It's his friend. They were friendly. <laughs> uh, they got along good in the world as the world's concerned. But they're going to have one of their friends who they thought was a brother walk out on them and do what seems to be the worst thing that could be done. Heavy thing. So imagine his soul. He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one to another, doubting of whom he spake. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's John. That's who's writing this right now. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him. You get, you get what happened? That one lift up his heel against me. That scripture's fulfilled. I just lifted up my heel. Oh. And he looked at John and went, Psst. You ever had one of your brothers? You ever had your brother ask for you, mom, mom or grandpa or somebody? Ask him. You ask him. That's got to be me. You ask him. And so John did, didn't he? Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. And then, then lying on Jesus' breath, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Peter was biting his nails, wasn't he? Then the Lord answered John's question. He told John. We'll see that in a minute because everybody at the table didn't know what he's talking about. He whispered to John or said it low enough only John could hear. John asked the question. John got the answer. He writes it to us. Jesus answered, verse 26, He it is to whom I shall give sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. That dipping of sop, I don't know about this culture. Uh, we sopped up gravy when I grew up. And in my house, I wasn't allowed to. My dad said, there ain't no sopping in this house. And you couldn't take a biscuit and bust it up and get all the gravy or the juices or whatever from a steak or whatever it was. You couldn't do that at his table. That's the rules. It's his house. It's his rules. I didn't sop stuff. I'd have got my hand popped right then, so I didn't. And I vowed, when I grow up, I'm going to sop everything I can. <laughs> I about did this evening, didn't I? This was a custom in that time. You ever had them last drippings of something that just tasted good? Big roast or something, them ribs that juice. Get you a good old piece of doughy white bread, extra gluten in it. And take and just dip that in or wiggle it, and they give it to somebody. Oh, that's precious. Here's a, Brian, this is the best part. It's yours, buddy. He said, the one that I'm just nothing but gracious to. That's who's going to betray me. Has the Lord been good to you? You betrayed him. After the sop, the Lord was doing just do a, 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 a gesture of kindness, a gesture of goodness. That's all he was. Everything he said was good. Everything he did was good. He can't do nothing that ain't good. He's a holy God. Gave him the last bit of bread. Here you go, buddy. After the sop, Satan entered into him. Peter wrote, be sober. 
That means not drunk on the wine of Babylon, not drunk on false religion, not drunk on lies. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, as a hungry lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Imagine them 12 there. Satan didn't know which one it was going to be. Maybe he knew it was going to be one of them, but just walking around, just teeth out showing, hungry. Judas had been kept this whole time. Satan didn't know no different. And right then, the Lord put soft in him and let him go. Leave him alone. And immediately, Satan entered into him. What does that teach us? Do I honor these apostles? God made him an apostle. You get that? Judas didn't just dumb luck in there, and a bunch of fellows didn't go lay their empty hands on there, his empty head and make him an apostle. God Almighty ordained him to be in that position from the time past. He purposed him to be an apostle. I'm not an apostle. He was. And it pleased God that that one was a betrayer from the beginning. Knowing that a devil sitting there with him, knowing that, a, that one that hated him was sitting right there with him, he gave him the Last Supper. Yet he broke bread. He washed his feet. He fed him. Gave him the salt. Done everything for him. That will teach us a lesson, shouldn't it? What's that mean? I won't get into man worship. I, I don't care what some old writer said. If it's against what this word says. Uh, I, and it troubles my soul. I worry for the souls of people. that I say, here's, here's what the scriptures say. Oh, well, I heard Spurgeon said that, so now I believe it. I don't care what Spurgeon said. God said it. Judas was a chosen apostle by God. And Satan entered into him, circling him. You think listening to false messages is being sober and diligent? You think that's a good idea? You want to tempt him? You want to tempt God? Dance with the devil? That woman with an issue of blood, she went to a whole lot of doctors that couldn't do nothing. She hadn't been to the great physician. She just went to physicians. <laughs> There's all, they're on every, every corner, didn't she? Did they help her? No, they harmed her. It wasn't for her good, it was for her harm. And it cost her money, or it cost her time, or it cost her more blood. Leave them things. I was growing up, Ouija boards were big. And my pastor said, I don't think there's nothing in them, leave them alone. Don't go looking after those things. Don't go watching those things. Don't go seeking those things out, leave it alone. That's dangerous. Lord said to him, that thou doest. Do quickly. I know what you're going to do. Get to it. Do it quickly. Now, verse 28. No, now, no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. They said, he gave him the best piece of bread and said, get after it, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things which have need against the feast. You got, he was the treasurer. Go, we need some things for his Passover. Go get them. He said, you got something to do? Go do it. Or that he should give something to the poor. Maybe the Lord's going to have him go give something down there at the soup kitchen. We don't know what he's doing. He just told him to go after it. He had things to do that we don't do. He then, having received the sop, <laughs> went immediately out, and it was night. That time stamp we have here, and it was night. That's not just letting us know what time of day it was, was it? That's not accidentally that there. He went out in darkness. He left in darkness. He loved darkness more than light. He went out of us because he was not of us. It's a sad thing, isn't it? 
Well, only the Lord and John knew at this point, maybe not even Judas. Maybe at that point, Satan had entered into him, but maybe he thought he was doing something beneficial. Maybe he thought he was really helping the gospel age. That's what our Lord's going to tell us here in a few more chapters, John 16. He said, these things have I spoken of you that you should not be offended. Don't be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogue. They're going to run you out of town. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. I, I, I could, it'd take at least two hands for me to count how many God-fearing pastors, men that get up and just tell you what God says, people trying to run them off actively. And if they could, if they wasn't laws in this country, they'd kill them. They'd bash their heads in with stones. But Judas left now. Every one of them thinking it was them, didn't it? I don't have you turn for time's sake. But we read these different accounts of these things happening, and that doesn't mean there's a, a contradiction. That means we get a, a different angle. We can learn something different. The Lord was kind enough to have one event and give us different stories from it so we can learn. We read over Matthew 26, don't we? The Lord said, Verily I say that one of you is going to betray me. And it says, Every one of them. The Lord looked to you and I and said, You're going to betray me. What would you say? Every one of them said, Lord, is it I? I felt so sorry for Peter lifting his feet up. I said, I'd have probably done something worse. I'd have tipped the ball over. <laughs> oh, it's got to be me. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And then Judas, which betrayed him, said, Master, is it I? My pastor called him Master a whole lot. The Master come here. The Master's here with us. God looks on the heart. Doesn't he? Don't matter what you say to me. Don't matter what you say to somebody else. Don't matter what you say in your home. God looks on the heart. They all said, Lord, is it I? And he said, Master, is it I? And he said, Thou said. Come out of your mouth. You said it. What makes the difference between Peter and Judas? That's the title of this message. The difference between me and Judas. What's the difference between me and Judas? What's the difference between you and Judas? Seriously, what's the difference? What makes us to differ? Outwardly. Outwardly. Think about that. Peter looks worse, don't he? I've spent all week thinking about this. Peter looks worse. Like many saints throughout time. Like many of God's men throughout time. Like many of God's women throughout time. The difference between Peter and Judas. One openly rebuked the Lord. A couple times. You'll never wash my feet. I'll never forsake you. <laughs> never, never, never. Didn't he? Denied him three times for the cock. The other one was zealous. The other one had the only additional office. We called them additional duties in the military. They all were apostles. Judas was an apostle and a treasurer. He held the bag. He's the only one. It, you call, count them for double honor. Well, he gets a little bit more honor, doesn't he? And he was zealous for the God's money. Now, to his own lust, Mary broke that alabaster box. He said, what are you doing? That's a year's wait. We could have sold that and gave it to the poor. We could have done something more efficient with the church's money. God's going to run out of money. Seems zealous, doesn't it? Seems like he's making a wise decision. And we ought to esteem those. There's elders. Those are people that preach. They preach the truth. They're not pastors, but they preach. They're elders. Lord's grown them up. And there's song leaders, and there's Sunday school teachers, and there's treasurers, and there's some offices God gives in this day and age. 
in this church age, in this local assemblies, and we ought to esteem those people. They labor for us. They labor for the ministry, don't they? For our benefit, but for the Lord's who they're working for. But who makes us different? Might look different on the outside. Who maketh thee to differ, Paul wrote? Who? Turn over to Luke 22. Luke 22. Sometimes it feels like we're just being made weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, and that's a good thing. Because in my weakness, I see his strength. When I've been made low, I see him lifted high, isn't it? Good to be made weak, isn't it? We're weak. Who maketh thee to differ? Not what. Who? Look here in Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. That's Peter. <laughs> Behold, you pay attention to me. And this is every one of God's children. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Can a wheat fight a colander? No, it just bounces around. Just fluffy, doesn't it? Satan desires every one of the Lord's children, every one of his sheep, and he wants to sift us like wheat. You're powerless to him. He's been around longer. He's stronger. He's smarter. You can't whoop him. You're sheep. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. What a mess we're in. Verse 32. But, but God, right? But I have prayed for thee. The Lord Jesus Christ, who the Father hears always, tells Peter, it's all right, I prayed for you. I prayed for you. That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, <laughs> you're going to see this now. You're going to experience it. Strengthen thy brethren. Strengthen thy brethren. You're going to deny me. And you're going to go through all these things. And you ain't going to look like a believer. What won't a believer do? <laughs> we'll run as hard as we could. We can't get out of his hand. You'll deny me even publicly to a teenage girl. A 13-year-old girl there said, hey, ain't you one of Christ's disciples? He said, uh-uh. He's scared death of her. Here's a commercial fisherman. And he said, now, I prayed for you. Your faith ain't going to fail. And when I convert you, you're going to be repented. You're going to look back to me. Now, strengthen your brethren. That's called confessing your sins. People want others to get up in front of church tell them all the nasty things they've thought or done. That's stupid. That's someone that hasn't been enlightened. They haven't seen, they don't walk in light. Strengthen your brethren. Say, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm prone to wonder. I'm weak. He's strong. Oh, now we're having a confession, ain't we? Now we're telling what the truth is. That's witness. That's a true confession. And he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. I'll die with you. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. You're going to go through this, and I'm going to prove to you. I said this is going to happen in the beginning. That's how it's going to end. You're going to see it, and you'll tell everybody about it. How? How does the Lord pray for him? He says he prays, doesn't he? He said in John 17, I pray for them. In his high priestly prayer, I pray for them, Father. I pray not for the world. I pray for everybody. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. I pray for those that you've given me before time was. And he said in Hebrews 7, he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. 
there in Romans 8. That's the context Paul was talking about. We, we say Romans 8, 28. And we know, what's and mean? Well, it goes with something else. Something, the Spirit makes groanings and intercessions we can't even understand. It interprets all the stuff I ask amiss out of this mouth. says, here's what it means. <laughs> That's good. All things work together for good because he's interceding for us. He's praying for us. Didn't it? Sit down in Romans 8, 34. Who's he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. That's what he's been telling Peter and then with the washing the feet, isn't it? I'm going to die. I'm going to put my blood on you, and I'm going to raise you. You're going to be raised with me. Who also maketh intercession for us. He prays for his people. He makes intercession for his people. And we have a hope because he prays for us. That's our hope. Our expected end is that what he's going to get what he asks. <laughs> Father, glorify thy name. That's going to come to pass. If he wills, it's going to happen. Solomon wrote this. He said, I, this I recall to my mind. That means it wasn't in his mind. And then he, it, come, it come back in, isn't it? Because we forget. We wonder. We're prone to wonder. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. What's the difference between Peter and, and Judas? What's the difference between me and Judas? The Lord's mercies, his graciousness, his will, his power, and his prayer. That's the only reason this fellow looking at you ain't consumed. That's it. Ain't nothing in me. It's the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions, he loved those and he prays for those he loves, they don't fail. They fail not. They're new every morning. His mercy is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He's faithful to pray for our faith. Whew. The Lord's my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. My faith is he's faithful. My faith is not nothing to do with my faith. It's the object of my faith who gifted me that faith. It's his faith, and he gave it to me, and he prays for it, and he's going to keep it to the end until I look him in the eye. Well, that ain't got nothing to do with me. Amen. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Tickled to death. Now, I see Judas and I'm scared to death. I fear. That fear we looked at the other day, that's the afraid part. And I see who he is, and now we honor him. Don't we? He's come to us. He's told us, you're clean. He told Judas that. He told Peter that, didn't he? That knucklehead. He said, you're clean. What does he pray? What's the result of that? Turn over to Romans 3. Just a few pages to the right. Romans 3. Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Everything he said from a long time ago, it's right. <laughs> it just keeps getting proved right erred on it. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible that says by faith in, your pastor's telling you some something to do. Throw it away and get you a King James Version that says by the faith of Christ. That's the accurate translation. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all, <laughs> all his people. That's to us. He sends that to us. And upon all. It's in us and on us. All them that believe, for there's no difference. 
What's the difference between me and Judas? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no difference. Being justified freely by His grace. That's it. His grace. His unmerited favor. Because He wanted to. Out of love. So I'm going to make a whole generation just like my son. And I'm going to take the worst of them and make them like him. And so I get the glory. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. That's what he's teaching him. That redemption. He's going to buy them with his blood. I'm going to wash you. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. A bloody sacrifice. An acceptable bloody sacrifice. Mercy seat. Through faith in his blood. To declare his Righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. That's who gets all the glory. That He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where's boasting then? Can Peter say, well, I just stuck it to the end. I just, you know, held on to my faith. No, there ain't no boasting. It's excluded. By what law? <laughs> By the law of faith, isn't it? What's that faith? If you have faith, God gave it. And if he gave it, it ain't going to fail. You got it forever. It's little. Oh, ye of little faith. Did you hear that? He said we had faith. <laughs> it's real little. I can't move no mountains. And I, if, I, if I could, I shouldn't. <laughs> wait, I have enough faith to wait to him move it. Wouldn't I? What was the end of Peter? This one denies him. This one just butted him and said never and yelled and boasterous. What was Peter's end? Oh, it's when you converted. Tell your brethren, huh? He stood at Pentecost in front of 3,000 people that had just killed Christ. The ones that actually were there at the cross. They killed him, and he looked them dead in the eye and preached to them. <laughs> 3,000 were added to the church that day. Wasn't it? The very ones that were standing at the cross, Lord saved some of them. What was the end of Judas, the zealous man that looked after the church's money and was so diligent? He committed suicide like somebody that has no hope because he didn't. Wildly different ends, isn't it? One more thing. Turn over to Hebrews 11. This is precious. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. Our faith is that Christ is faithful. Our righteousness is the Lord, our righteousness, isn't it? It's him. It's a person. And so here in Hebrews 11, people call this the hall of fame of faith. Yeah. Be careful. Everywhere it says faith, I want you to replace that with Christ. Ready? Let's read it. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now Christ is the substance of things hoped for. That's him. <laughs> what do you hope for? You hope to go to kick up gold in, the, in heaven? No, it's a person. <laughs> He's who I hope for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through Christ, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He teaches us that he made the worlds. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By Christ, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He did it. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. That's what the Lord told him. You're clean. <laughs> and the same thing he had to be. That's what he told you. Did you know that? You're clean. God testifying of his gifts. Good, my, my, my wonderful servant. Look what good things you've done. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. 
by Christ Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that it pleased God, that he pleased God. But without Christ, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Not that we are, that Christ is. That's who this is talking about. You see that? And that Christ is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By Christ, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, it never rained. He moved with fear, with respect, and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He commanded his house. He said, boys, get an ark, and they did it. By the which will he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by Christ. By Christ Abraham, when he was called to go out of that place which he should receive, should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. And Christ with him. By Christ he sojourned in the land of promise. As in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations. Who build, whose builder and maker is God. And through Christ. That's the only way this could happen. You understand that? Through Christ. Also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. That 99-year-old woman had a baby because Christ made her have a baby. He put life in her and was delivered of child when she was past age because she judged him faithful. <laughs> her faith was he was faithful, isn't it? Who had promised. She believed God. That's what he says. He said it. You believe him? Wherefore sprang there even one <clears throat> and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in Christ. All his people, how precious it is in the sight of the Lord when his saints die in Christ. They come to him, isn't it? These all died in Christ, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, knowing he was coming. They believed him and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. That's the end of them. That's what happens. We're going to be in him. Be with him. Made like him. See him face to face. If you see that you're totally helpless outside of Christ and you see his faithfulness, what does that make you do? We're going to look at this next week, but I want to read it. Back in our text. Let's be it. I'll let you go. John 13, verse 31. John 13, 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, Whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give you. In light of all this stuff that the Lord's done for us. I mean, rebels, enemies of God. And while we were still in our sins, he saved us. He prayed for us. Gave us and shed his blood for us and covered us that blood. And will keep us to the end. In light of that, we're going to give you a commandment. Now you do it. And if he commands, if he commands the winds to blow, they're going to blow. If he commands his child to do this, his child's going to do it. Period. It's going to happen. New commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another even as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. 
By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. If he's done that work in you, and he's done that work in me, and I know what I am, and you know what you are, he's, and he's with us, that, what's left but love? Don't that make you happy? Ain't that just relieving and, and contentment? I'm happy. I'm real happy. Oh, it's solid, isn't it? You got something. <laughs> That's tangible, isn't it? Let's pray together.